Before we jump into this episode, let's hear from Brian and Concerts That Made Us podcast. Wait, so you like concerts, podcasts, and music, and you don't listen to Concerts That Made Us podcast? Oh man, you're missing out. You've got to head over there straight away. They have interviews with the best up-and-coming bands, as well as some famous ones thrown in the mix too. And don't even get me started on the concert stories. Oh man, are they wild. That's Concerts That Made Us podcast. New episodes every Thursday on all podcast players. I am Matthew Thomas. This is Super Cool Radio. I have a great show lined up with me. Joining me at this time, two really great musicians. Recently, their song, Devil's Red Mistress, was featured in the film Harvey, and they released a new album entitled Third Time's a Charm very soon. Please welcome Mike and Phoenix of Raven Tree. Hey, how's it going? Hey, everybody. Nice to see you guys again. Uh, I know we had some uh, issues the first time we tried this, but I'm glad uh, we actually got this working. You guys are here with me. It's going to be a good time. Yeah, yeah, perfect time. We just actually finished up the last finishing touch to the uh, to the new album, so uh, it was perfect timing to be able to, yes. to then zoom in with you. Fantastic. Uh, but before we jump into this, I feel like I might know some of you guys' answers, but uh, to start this interview off on a fun note, uh, we got what music have you guys been listening to this week? Uh, I've been listening to uh, <laughs> yeah, actually, so this record called uh, "Ruin" by the Amazing Devil. Uh, I've been a huge fan of them for a while. I've actually shared them with Mike a couple times. He's like, "Dude, you've got an eclectic taste of music." <laughs> um, I, a lot of the stuff that I listen to is not the style that we play. Um, so "Ruin" by the Amazing Devil. That album came out last year, and then another album, uh, self-titled by a group called Lorna Shore. It's a uh, very heavy metal album that's uh, really, really awesome. I think it, it won some awards in a couple couple like metal magazines online. So that's another really good good record I've been bumping in the car a lot. And Mike's trying to spill water like all over us. Challenged. Yeah, he's like, let's just I can't even fry, imagine let's fry the laptop. That'll be the technical difficulties today. <laughs> well, what's a good image to be on camera? I would just me just dumping water on this laptop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't want me around anything that plugs in, dude. <laughs> so I've been listening to uh, Joe Bonamassa and uh, Marcus King, a lot of Joe Bonamassa and Marcus King, uh, Larkin Poe, um, and some Tyler Bryant, you know, some of that southern new blues stuff that's happening right now. Right on, right on. Uh, so a lot of great uh, music, uh, a lot of not familiar with so I'm definitely going to have to check out uh, some of that great music. It's kind of funny hearing what Phoenix, you know, your answer, and then hearing Mike's answer. Very drastically different. Yeah. Yeah, a lot. In fact, uh, well, and Phoenix has another group. Um, his uh, The first group that, you know, he has is Marzi, and they're like a prog metal group. Yeah. yeah completely nothing like, like 
I've ever listened to. I listen to it now. I have all their albums, right? But, uh, you know, very different than what we do with Raven Tree. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Paige, you have a very uh, diverse, like, music taste, but also, like, uh, as a musician, you're very diverse with, like, the, the style you play, you know, with Raven Tree, but also the prog metal as well. You're very diverse. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, I think it's just growing up, I listened to just a lot of different stuff with my parents. Uh, my parents were musicians, and so my mom is a classically trained pianist, and then my dad was just a good old, you know, 70s rock and roller dude. Um, and so, you know, I, they, you know, and both of them listened to a variety of stuff and so i think that really informed my 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 musical decisions and choices um because i just I've, I've been open to everything for sure definitely definitely it really really does help and uh obviously for, the, for me this week it's been uh alice cooper iggy pop and i was actually uh listening to limp biscuit while i was paying my uh, yeah. <laughs> the new record uh no i went with uh i went with the uh, significant other one but uh i did listen to their new one so awesome <laughs> so that's what i've been listening to this week but uh folks like you guys obviously i'm chatting with raven tree uh so before raven tree how did you guys get started as musicians me? Yeah. yeah oh, the youngest first? All right. Uh, since I've been doing it the least amount of time out of us. <laughs> It'll be a shorter story. <laughs> It'll be a shorter story. Uh, so I'm 25 now. I started playing when I was 15. Um, like I said before, my, my parents were musicians, but um, they didn't really play much around the house. My mom would play piano sometimes, but it was really more so just having listening to music all the time in the long car rides to grandma's house, um, in the house. And so... I was just, I naturally started singing along and just humming and I always loved it. And then about the time that I was 14 or 15, I had really started getting into uh, this band called 30 Seconds to Mars. And it was like the first show that like I picked to go see, you know, my parents had taken me to shows, but this was the first time where it was like, mom, dad, I want to go see this band. And it was also my first time like in the pit. It wasn't in like seats. Like I went down the like, front of the stage, got to see him. And I was just like this energy, this vibe. Uh, it just, it really brought it all together for me. And within a few months, I was taking uh, vocal lessons and guitar lessons. Um, and I eventually picked up the bass and drums and just was like, I want to do all of it. I want to do everything. That, that's really awesome. And definitely uh, the first time like in a pit or like, uh, you know, stadium room only uh, shows, it's definitely a very uh, unique experience, especially for the, for, the, for the first time because you don't know what to expect. I can remember uh my first time well my first concert was Alice cooper but uh, i was in uh, a nice opera box because uh i was at a fancy theater but uh yeah first concert is always uh very memorable oh yeah for sure yeah i got started you know around 12 or 13 with a garage sale guitar but for me it was a little bit different um when i was growing up we didn't really have a lot of access to all the media we have nowadays right so it was either the radio or records, and that was it. And, um, you know, it's that age for uh, where, you know, as a young guy, you're 12, 13 years old, you're leaving comic books behind, but it, it's so you're picking up record, you know, record jackets and album covers, and they become your new superheroes. And then I think it was, I was about in eighth grade, and I, I found an old yearbook with um, a couple of hippie, hippie seniors in it sitting there with some electric guitars, and that was my first realization that, I, I could do this too, right? Um, and I started really thinking, like, maybe this is a way I can establish my own identity myself. Nobody where I grew up, I mean, I can't say nobody. There were, there were some people that played, but they were mostly older, you know, adult musicians. And there weren't that many in our, in our school. So 
um, I thought maybe this is a thing I can do to, to kind of step out and do some things that I enjoyed. And it, and it just became a passion for me from there. But, um, you know, first concerts was Van Halen at Madison Square Garden. And uh, like you guys say, that, that first uh, arena concert, that first concert in general, is just always that mind-blowing experience. And, uh, you know, a little story. About two years ago, I took my, uh, my youngest daughter to her first concert here in Baltimore, and it was um, Panic at the Disco. And she was really excited, but she, you know, I waited until right before the, uh, the, the lights go up and everything, and I just, I just started watching her because I wanted to see that face. Right. And she was 14 and man, the lights went up and the music and all of this stuff. And you know how it is that that arena thing. And boom. And I watched her face and I thought, there you go. There you go. Yep. Yeah, definitely. For sure. The just the, the look on, uh, you know, obviously a kid's face. The first time seeing a person seeing a concert. It, it's truly it's truly incredible. Just the just the look of amazement uh, with the lights and the music and everything. Uh, it, it's really awesome. Yeah, you know, it's funny, and it still happens. And I'll tell you, you know, do you remember we did um, – so when we did the album release for Devil's Red Mistress, and it's been a couple of years, um, my friend – one of my friends from school had come out, and um, he had brought his son. I don't know if you remember this, but we were we were getting – at one point I looked out, and the kid's mouth is just hanging open because for, for a lot of younger guys or younger kids nowadays, you know, they see everything on YouTube. And they think they understand it. And then they get out to their first real live rock show. And it's still, whether it's a club or it's still that thing. And it's great to see. Oh, definitely. Like, uh, you know, watching YouTube and like seeing it in real life, like YouTube, it doesn't really translate to, you know, like seeing it in real life. It is completely different uh, seeing live music. Especially with rock music, right? Rock music is, it, I don't want to say in its arena, an arena art form. But it seems to have taken that thing on where big rock needs to have that that thing with people, right? We did a, a live stream, what was it, two years ago? How long was it? I think it was last year. Yeah, 2020. And it was just, it doesn't translate. It just, it just doesn't, you know? So... Yeah, it's definitely the, the interaction with the crowd. I think that's what really uh, makes a show is just like you, you, they feed off your energy, you feed off their energy, uh, and it just it makes it a show. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So obviously, for you, so for you guys, so how did you guys uh, first meet and uh, decide to work together? Was it like, did it just happen on site or like, yeah, maybe we should give this a shot? Like, how did that come about? I definitely want to hear you go first on this one. Uh, yes, yeah, so we met. <laughs> Wow. What, seven years ago now? I think it was about seven years 2015. ago. Yeah. So, Holy so, shit. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. In 2015. Wow. I hadn't thought about that. So I had, I had only been – I don't, I had uh, just started playing in the Baltimore scene with, uh, with my group at the time that I fronted. And we were booked at a uh, Baltimore Harbor show playing with uh, Raven Tree with Mike yeah. um, and the, the lineup back then. And, you know, we immediately talked to each other. You know, it was really cool. Um, you know, being, I was 18 and the two guys that were with me were like, uh, I think 16. So, you know, yeah. seeing these these older guys that had been doing it for a while and had been around, they, you know, they took us under their wing and it was just really cool to kind of, you know, they thought we were really good and we're like, awesome, thank you guys. And, you know, gave us advice and encouragement. 
Um, and so we just kind of kept bumping into each other within like the Baltimore music scene. Oh, we went out to um, Atlanta City too. Yeah, and then you know Raven Tree uh, invited us to go do a show in Atlantic City, so we all traveled up there together and got to do that. So that was really cool. Um, so it was it was a lot of that for a couple years. I'd say maybe two yeah. or three years. Um, and then back in what was it, 2017? 16. Yeah. No, no. When we yeah. did Devil's Red Mistress. Yeah, that was fall of 2016. Okay. So then, <laughs> we, you know, one day Mike Mike hits me up and goes, "Hey man, I'm uh, we're doing this record, and uh, we don't have a bass player. Uh, our bass player that we're gonna have it fell through. Do you want to come play bass on this record?" And so I was like, "Sure, <laughs> let's do it." So I was so fucking desperate, man. <laughs> I swear to God, so yeah. So like Phoenix said, so I actually had Phoenix popped up on my radar far like probably four or five months before. We played the hard rock and um which was the inner harbor hard rock and and i had gone out uh, a local dj here uh, matt davis he he was a dj at 98 rock um used to do these showcases um every couple of weeks and i'd gone out to hang out one night on a monday and marzi was playing um and i just remember these three young guys up there really kicking it old school you know it's prog metal but they were doing it as a three piece and I'm like, and they were great. And I thought, wow, but you know, the singer, I thought Man, that, that kid's got something. Right. And I, and it kind of, kind of went in and I was just like, yeah, these guys have something. And then lo and behold, like a few months later, we had that, that show at Harder. And like Phoenix said, um, we went out, did a couple shows together throughout the fall. And then, um, and we just stayed in touch as two band leaders. We were kind of commiserated and whatever. But then when I went into session for Devil's Red Mistress, I had a, a session bassist who was working with me. He did the first session. Um, I think we had done Superstition, got the got the tracks done for that. And the next day he's like, yeah, I really don't think I have the time for this. <laughs> Dude, I've got, I got time booked. I mean, I, okay. And I called, I was so desperate. I'm like, please, please, please. He's like, yeah, man. And, um, you know, we did the sessions and then by the end of it, you were just kind of like, I kind of feel I should just keep playing in the band with you. I'm like, that works with me. So <laughs> there we are seven fucking years later. Man. <laughs> yeah, time, time flies. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It feels longer with stuff because like, tw like anything that happened pre 2020, I, I automatically just add another year. Cause like, I don't know when it was, but it was probably sometime before then. Um, but yeah, it's really awesome. But was uh, Phoenix your first call? Was like you know, once your bass player didn't work out, you're like, was he your first call to make? He's the only call. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> yeah, I didn't. You know, I I didn't. So I was in the military for a very long time, and when I got out, I came. I had gone to college here in Baltimore a long time ago. I came back to here because I loved it, and and so I don't really. I didn't come up in the scene. I didn't have a natural network of anybody so um when i kind of like was on the skids he was the only guy i really knew but um you know i phoenix i think there was also more than just the music it was um this thing that some people have um phoenix has it guys other other folks that i've worked with in the military had it and it's this level of intensity and commitment and it's beyond motivation and desire it's an absolute focus um of i'm going to achieve and accomplish this it's beyond type a right and phoenix i think that's what i really could i saw that in phoenix early on even at that first show and that was where bringing him out to the session made sense and we had a drummer that we still work with jeff gardner um he was there and 
it was three guys that were absolutely committed to making it great, as great as we could make it in that moment. And that's the thing that more than anything else, I think, was really what was the initial bond, was recognizing that we have that thing together. And we just continue to, to build on that. Yeah, definitely. And uh, talking uh, to, you, to both of you guys yesterday, like I could tell Phoenix, like you're very motivated and driven uh, to you know to accomplish stuff and to like to be the best you can. Like I can really tell with obviously in the music, but also with your personality as well. <laughs> Thank you. So it was really cool that you guys, uh, you know, to me, uh, looks like you guys uh, work very well together. I can tell from the, the music, interacting with you guys right now. Uh, it seems like uh, you guys work very well together. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, you build a team over time, right? You know, when I was in the Navy, you know, I was in a, in a small unit type of military uh, unit. Um, and, you know, building teams is something that I was, I was I've experienced over, uh, over a number of years where it, it takes a unified commitment. It really does. And when you have that, it just, you can build so much on top of that when you have that common commitment and drive. Definitely. Commit, commitment's very big uh, with bands. And uh, it's, it's not, you know, you have to be really committed to, to uh, each band member and the music if you want the band to move forward. Yep. Yeah, and I think, you know, there was a while back, you know, I actually called Phoenix and I said, dude, you know, are we are we creating our own challenges by trying to drive too hard? And I think I think what you said to me was like, you and I have a set of standards that we adhere to. We drive, we push ourselves to meet those standards. And there's no, I think you said something along the lines, there's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with, you know, looking for other people to work with that meet that stand, not to not drop the standards. Mm -hmm. I can't remember exactly what you said, but it was something along those lines. And it's true, you know, you really need to have that. Everybody has to be at the same level of whatever it happens to be, you know, and if it's not, you know, Phoenix and I have just realized that at, over time that it, um, if people want to jump on the Mike and Phoenix train, great. And if they can't keep up, that's okay too, right? You know, we're just going to keep moving on. And, and that's what we've been doing um, for a few years now. So, Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, uh, standards are, as you said, are very important with stuff, especially like you have to, to have the, the highest standards for yourself uh, to, to keep progressing, keep moving on in the way that you guys have been. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Otherwise, you don't have anything. You start kind of drifting, and the next thing you know, you're not really doing anything anymore. And I've seen that with friends of mine, and, you know, that's that. Is but uh, something very uh, important I wanted to, wanted to discuss with you guys, as I said in my intro, you guys are releasing a brand new album very soon, Third Time's a Charm. Uh, so uh, you were kind of talking about it earlier. You guys were listening to the uh, to the music to the masters. So uh, how how is the album progressing, and uh, how was it actually putting the album together and recording it? Uh, it's been really awesome. So the last um, the last few recordings we've done, we did you know the Devil's Red Mistress album, and then we did a few singles here and there. Every step of the way, um, we've been trying to find the right process for for the writing 
for the the recording of it. And I, I feel like this time, yeah, third time's the charm, that's why we're naming it that, is we've really kind of keyed in to, yep, this is how we're going to do it from now on. Um, it's the first time that me and Mike really wrote a lot of this stuff from scratch together. Um, whereas like Devil's Red Mistress, pretty much like 95% of that was already written when I came in. I might have added a few suggestions, but not really any writing. Um, and then the singles a little bit, but this was the first time where it was really, you know, we each had ideas, brought them together, and then created created the album from there. Um, so that I think that's a, a really cool thing for this record that's going to make it a lot not a lot different, but but different in a, in a nice progression. Um, and then in, in terms of the, the recording of it, I think both of us have agreed that this is probably the smoothest process it's ever been. Um, and uh, you know, we're pretty much there, 99% mark. Um, like it's it's almost done. We are just putting the last little bit, last little touches on it. Um, and uh, hopefully we're gonna have it soon for everybody to check it out because it's uh it's awesome. It's a yeah. nice culmination of the last, I guess, seven years of us kind of finally feeling like this is what we've been trying to do. Here's the here's the sound, and it's not it's not a oh hey we finally here's the last here's the last album we did it we finally got there. No, it's like hey this is the beginning. This is now a, a new beginning of we finally have achieved where we wanted to be for so long, and now we can now we can move even forward far forward from there. Yeah, I think you know what Phoenix is alluding to here is that right when we finished up that second record, Devil's Red Mistress, up until that point, the first and second record were pretty much kind of a solo project of mine where I was using pickup players for everything. Um, and as Phoenix came on board, um, you had just finished your audio engineering program. Mm -hmm. And over the last few years, he had been developing his skills and his chops. And then about a year ago, um, it was like, you know, we had been messing around with some stuff and I heard some things he was doing. I'm like, let's do this. Let's do this next one ourselves, right? Let's, let's have you produce it. We'll put it together. And that was a song that we released as a single called Swing Me, which is also going to be released on the, on this next album. Um, but uh, it, it's the writing itself, like Phoenix said, is the first time we've collaborated as writers. You know, he brought some completed songs. I brought some completed songs. We brought pieces of songs and we sat down with all of it and we both worked together to bring it around. And, you know, it's for me, this was the this was a breeze because you know I'd asked Phoenix to be the producer, really kind of take charge of it. And in the past, I had to write all the songs and inform the rhythm section and all these other things. Now all I had to do was just come in with the songs, write some lyrics, and, and do some guitar solos. And that was you know Phoenix, you you do it. <laughs> so that was kind of nice for me. But um, what we found along the way is that as terrifically as we get along on stage and as friends. Um, writing a writing partnership really came about that was like wow i didn't expect it to be as easy and i also wasn't expecting to hear these songs go from a really good song to a great song because of that collaboration you know and that's where it's like you know he hears things differently than i do and vice versa and that's that push pull or that you know ooh. and the other part is that we there's no ego right it's like well, I want to try it this way. And it's like, well, okay, let's try it that way, you know? And if it works great and if it doesn't, that's cool. We'll try it a different way. And then you don't have a lot of that clash of, you know, that we've heard from other folks where it's like, I want to do this, but the other guys don't want to do that. And, la, 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 la. and it's like, you know, I, neither one of us have time for that shit, you know? Yeah. We just don't. 
Yeah, I unfortunately hear that a lot with bands. That uh, and to me, it's like if you find something that uh, another way that works, awesome. If you don't, then you know you keep moving on with what you got. But I think it's cool, you know, obviously, with you guys that the the no ego involved. We're like, hey, let's give it a shot. We'll see what happens. But I am curious. So for Phoenix, uh, so how was it uh, producing this? You know, this album was it a uh, you know a different uh, challenge for you, or were you ready to do this? Uh, I was totally ready to do it. I had, uh, you know, like Mike had said, you know, we had been had been toying with the idea of, of self-producing for a while now. Because um, I think, I believe, when we did Devil's Red Mistress, so I was still in school at the time, but when we were finishing that record up, we ended up having to... Oh, that's right. We ended that's up right. having to do some tracks ourselves. And so we had gone to where I, I, I was going to school at the time and booked some time there. And so I had, I had done some tracking prior. So I... Yep. I had already done a little bit here and there, so it wasn't a total leap of just like, hey, Mike, I know you've never worked with me before in this capacity, but like, let's That's dive right. in and do a whole album. We had, you know, we had dipped our toes in the water a little bit and knew like, okay, you know, coming from a, a bandmate relationship, we had already been in a, you know, band and producer relationship a little bit. So I don't think it was as, as big Cold. of a, yeah, yeah, as it could have been. Um, so I was totally ready. You know, after we had done that single, Swing Me, um, we were we were all really happy with it. Yeah, wow, that was that was a real wake up. And I mean, it, it's like like Phoenix said, I forgot about that. Devil's Red Mistress, our, our, the producer that I had hired to do the gig, evaporated about halfway through the production. And you know, at one point, even with him being there, I remember you took charge of a session, <laughs> one of the initial vocal sessions, where the producer's just sitting there, completely checked out. And Phoenix at that point is giving guidance and direction to the engineer. He's getting on the talk back and giving me guidance in the booth. I mean, it was like, oh, and that that's right. And then we had to finish up the vocals on our own because that guy completely um, uh, disintegrated. But um, yeah, and so yeah, like Phoenix said, it wasn't completely cold. And we had done some other things, you know, some singles and some other things. So it wasn't, you know, completely new to work together in this capacity. Yeah, it's good. I mean, you guys already had the relationship of, you know, a producer band. So I think that that helps and you guys just build off it kind of with what I've noticed with bands who are, you know, like 10 years or less in like, you know, the, the second album, they start to hit their groove. You know, it, it starts to you know, build off what they did with the first album. But it seems like the third album for many bands are like, that's where they really hit full force. And like, that's where they get their sound. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, th I think that's 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 pretty. That's a really accurate statement like phoenix said a few minutes ago um we had struggled trying to capture our sound to, to or the vibe and the energy of our live shows and one of the things in 2015 when i was touring regionally the first album was people would come that were at a show really excited bought the albums all of that but if it was just online the album wasn't selling just from spins and and, and streams it was our live show that was and so going into the second album, we took that approach of recording live in the studio, thinking that maybe that was it. And that got us closer, but not quite there. And then as Phoenix, his production and engineering chops developed, I think you wound up clicking it at one. I just remember you saying, I think I know what we have to do to get what we do there to translate to our recordings. And it was a very old school approach. Phoenix, I'll never forget, we were tracking something. And the first time I'm on the guitar and he and he's twiddling these knobs, I'm like, this, I'm thinking to myself, this sounds really bad, right? 
And I'm like, I don't know. Okay. And I play and he goes, now check this out. And he brings everything up. I'm like, wow, it sounded amazing because he was taking a very Jimmy Page approach of carving out the sounds that he hears in his head. So all I'm hearing is the guitar, but he's hearing everything else in his head. And he makes the guitar in his head fit that. And and I thought, wow, okay, you know, I think this is going to work out great. And it, and it really has. So this next album is really exciting just from the writing. Um, you know, lyrically, I took a different approach. The first two albums were kind of dark, you know. Um, this is a little bit more rock and roll. There's more just, I don't know, it's, it, I guess it's not quite as dark. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think so. I think even the, even some of the lyrics that I helped write aren't super dark. They're all kind of, and I mean, not that they're like positive, you know, not, not that they're like, hey, go out there and yeah. get it, you guys. Yeah, we're not. But it's, it's not as, um, it's not as doom and gloom. We're not walking on sunshine here. Yeah, but um, it's definitely, you know, one of those, I, you know, a lot of the songs, you know, there's some love songs, there's some like, yeah. I don't know what to call them, adventure songs, there's I guess. There's some sex songs, right? Yeah, you know? and then just good old rock and roll, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's some songs about making a deal with the devil and, you yep. know, having to fight him and like, there's just... It, it runs the gambit. Yeah. Know? Yeah. It's, it, it was much more fun. And it, it just, yeah, it was just. And I think, I think that kind of, I think the environment we created for ourselves in, in approaching the record like this, mm -hmm. I think it was, I think it was conducive to not being so melancholy and gloomy in, in the writing process. I think because we were having a lot more fun this time around because we felt a lot more relaxed. We felt a lot more like, Hey, you know, like, yeah, we, we set, we set deadlines for ourselves. We set time. But we also knew, like, hey, we're doing this on our time. We're doing this the way we want to do it, you know. And we can let's just if if we get to a point where we hit a deadline and we're like, damn it, we didn't make it, but we're really passionate about getting it a certain way, then, yeah. then let's do that. And yeah, yeah, you know, and that's and we've done that. Maybe we've, we've come back maybe like two or three times and go, you know what, we're able to do it. Let's let's do it. Let's redo that guitar part or let's redo that vocal line. Yeah, uh, because it just like. Everything else is like right there, but that just needs we're to in be. total control of our own shit. Yeah, so, so if it goes it. out and it sucks, that's our fault, no doubt. But so let's make it as great as we can. And and the other thing that was interesting for me was that Phoenix brought in a drummer, uh, Andy Ham. He's a DC area uh, drummer. He plays, does a lot of stuff. Um, so for me, when I was getting back the tracks initially that Andy had done with Phoenix. So I had no idea what the drums were going to be like. And it, it was very fresh to me what um, Andy brought to the table, you know, from a drum perspective. It was not intuitive to, you know, I'm a classic rock thinking guy. Andy came in with a completely different approach. Um, and between he and Phoenix crafting the rhythm of these songs, it really inspired me. I, I came back, we changed the entire melody and lyrics to one of the, was a progressive tree. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, which isn't the, that's a working title, but you know, there were moments where it really, well, I'm going to go back and change the lyrics or change a melody or rewrite the whole chorus because I'm feeling different because of this interactive quality. Right. And not having to do it all myself. So that was cool. And it also, you know, uh, it's just been an advance from where we were before. It definitely sounds like it sounds like uh, you guys are really like clicking together as like a, as a whole unit. But it's also cool, like uh, you know, that it's not the the burden's not completely on like everybody. You know, it's kind of spread yeah. out a little bit. Obviously, Phoenix still has to produce it, but it's cool that um, you know you get a, a rhythm section back, 
and like it makes you want to like make the song better make song uh, uh you know the lyrics fit the song more i think that's really awesome and like with you guys being self-produced is you have goals you have deadlines but at the same time you can still kind of go at your own pace and have more fun with less stress of we're paying studio time to do all of this Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, I think okay. I say. Go ahead. I was gonna say. I was like, I think that the best word to use. We could be a lot more uh, adaptive. We can adapt yeah. as the situation changes a lot more. Um, and because we have such a good relationship, that we're again tying in the whole ego thing. Is that it's like we're open to, you know, because I, I, I knew going in bringing in that drummer, it's like, okay, this is gonna be a little different, you know. It's like, but I know when we get there, when we get to the end product, I know it's gonna make sense. Um, and, and, you know, my being open to hearing that stuff is, is awesome. And the same thing with me, you know, like, you know, Michael presents stuff with me. I'm like, I'm not sure what you're going for. He's like, hold on, but just, let's just do this. And then we get there. I'm like, oh, cool. I get it now. Um, so I think, you know, having that, whereas, you know, in the past, sometimes when you're, when you're working with, with other people, sometimes, unless you find the right one, they can be very, you know, uh, against maybe changes or ideas. That they're like, no, this is the way I always do it. And this is the way we're going to do it. And it's like, well, hold on. So being able to really adapt as as much as we want and are willing to has, has been a lot of fun. Yeah, when I was, when I was in the military in the teams, um, one of the things that I learned is that nobody has a handle on the best idea, right? And you have to, you know, it, you know the the platoon commanders and the platoon chiefs that I had, the good ones, the great ones, were a lot like Captain Kirk, right? They'd sit there and they'd listen to everybody, starting with the junior man first. And, and I say man because there were only guys, you know, it wasn't, you know, there weren't females in the, in the, in the unit. But, um, and, and I think in that regard, I've been able to not be so such a hard on, you know, about ideas that may not fit my, or not, like, like Phoenix said, I don't understand what he's trying to say, but having the confidence and, and the, the relaxed vibe of just saying, okay, just go ahead and do it. And we'll evaluate it later, right? And and just let's giving each other the space to push the edge as far as we can and see and just see. Uh, so uh, Devil's Res- Red Mit- Mistress uh, was featured in the movie Harvey very recently. Uh, so how how was it for you guys? For like you guys see uh, a song of yours in a movie? It was really really gratifying and a little self validating. I think you know. I, but even more than for us, we've had some long-term fans, you know, fan, you know, fo- folks that have become friends that have been supporting the band and thrown out for, for several years now. And so it wasn't just, you know, a little bit of um, relative success for us to have achieved that thing of, of the soundtrack, but being able to share that with these long-term fans and, and recognize that, their contribution to us and their support of us over the years that have we as collective band and fans have been able to get there together. And for me, that was really important because, you know, you're playing the clubs and you're out there and you're doing your thing. And sometimes you feel a little like, all right, you know, we're, we're beating our head against the wall. And you have these people that come out to every show who are just so supportive and you want to be able to show them that, you know, the time and effort and the energy and the and, and the emotive support that they've given us pays off as well. Does that make sense? Well, yeah. The uh, you know people uh, you have to go places as a band, but you need support to do so. And I think that's you know because like uh, people showing up to shows, it's like if no one showed up, you'd be playing in a room by yourself. 
Yeah, I mean, it's all for them. It's all for them. And so our success is really theirs as well, right? So that was cool. But it was a learning experience going to Hollywood, walking the red carpet. It was a lot of fun. I uh, I had never been to California before. So for me, it was really, really fun to kind of, one, get to do the premiere and also just be there in California, get to feel Mr. Hollywood. It was it was really cool, you know? Yeah. And we got to, you know, we went to a couple of the famous bars. Like, what was it? The, the Rainbow Room? Yeah, I went to the Rainbow. Um, yeah. Viper. You know, got to go, to go to see a bunch of legendary clubs. Just, you know, we, we had a whole week where we just, you know, immersed ourselves in, like, you know, the culture that, that births. Raven Tree, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, um, it was really neat. And then you know when the uh, our our song is like the second, I think it's like the second song in the entire movie. I think the movie opens up and it's a uh, um, yeah, like the, the, like it more. It's not really like a, the opening is not really like a song. It's just like a melody that goes. And then like the then the very first like big scene. All of a sudden, me and Mike are sitting there and tapping each other's legs like, that's the opening riff of, of Devil's Red Mistress. Yeah, and um, it was really cool is they played the whole song. Yeah, the whole song like plays through, like in the background, because uh, not to spoil the movie, but like, right. this doesn't, but they're in a bowling alley. And so like the song is essentially playing over the, the bowling alley PA, so it makes sense that it's it's going the whole time. And yeah. so, you know, it fades like in and out as the scene goes. Yeah, so, it was really kind of great because all the other, you know, there are a couple of other bands that were on there too, and, and it's like, they didn't get the airtime that we did. And that was, you know. That felt really awesome. Yeah, that felt, we were very, very grateful and appreciative. The, the film is called Harvey, and it was released for a wide, worldwide release last week. So it's on all the major streaming platforms now. And, uh, you know, Johnny Alonzo was the producer on that. He caught our act right as we were finishing up Devil's Red Mistress in the studio. Johnny caught us at a Halloween show in 2016. And uh, I guess he liked us or, or thought, you know, he kept tabs on us. And then last year, out of the blue, he's like, hey, I've got a slot for a song. What do you guys have for me? And I'm like, hey, you're here, you know. So it's like four or five years after he saw us, he reached out to us. And that was really neat, you know. That's always really cool. And, like, you don't know it's, a you know, a connection or a person, uh, you know, that yeah. was going to approach you in a few years. You never know when that's going to happen. But it's always cool. Like, they saw you in 2016, and now your song was featured in the movie Harvey. That is really awesome. Well, here's a crazy story. So we were playing a show at the end of August, and it was one of those, you know, everybody's at the beach, and there were maybe 40 or 50 people at the show. Um we had a great set. We played it like we're playing Madison Square Garden, like we always do. But it's kind of like, all right, well, that was a great show. I put my guitar away. I turn around, and he's stand Johnny Alonzo is standing there. But he's also standing there with somebody else. So afterwards, we're, we're talking and everything. And it turns out that this guy has a foundation. He does a lot of events. Okay. He really liked us. Now he's got an event scheduled in Vegas at the end of April that we're going to be performing with uh, Tantric and Butterside and a few other groups um, out in Vegas come April. So we're really excited about that. But like you said, you play because you're driven to be great, as great as you possibly can be. It's not about hoping this or anything or wondering if anybody's out there, but it's those moments where, wow, we did a great job and somebody was there to see it. And now it's, now we're, we've been able to get an opportunity out of that, so it's great. Exactly. You never know what opportunity is going to come your way, but also, I mean, you got to, uh, you know, obviously play like you're in Madison Square Garden every time. That, that's yeah. what you got to do. 
Well, really awesome to uh, chat with you guys. Uh, as, as I'm wrapping up this interview, uh, anyone, if anyone's curious, uh, where's the, some of the best places to check out Raven Tree online? Well, I would say go to youtube.com slash Raven Tree. That's our YouTube channel. Um, it's that easy, youtube.com slash Raven Tree. And uh, we've got the first two albums up. There's a bunch of live stuff on there. The first single off of the new album is called uh, Feed Your Need. That's up there. It's a, it's a placeholder uh, lyric type video. I think you have a copy of it, right, Matt? I do. And uh, so that's out there. And what else is on YouTube? Uh, the albums, lyric video, Some behind the scenes stuff. Um, and then we're on all streaming platforms, so the major ones, Spotify, Apple Music, the yep. works. And if, and if somebody wants to go out and help support, um, if you go to our website, raventreeband.com, um, we have a variety of merch and other things on our t-shirts and, and stuff. And, uh, you know, it's, it's all there. And I'm trying to think Facebook, Facebook, Instagram, um, of course, and all the bigs. So definitely, I'm going to drop some links in the description make sure to check it out as well. But, uh, you guys started off, uh, 2020 very strong. You got the new album coming up very soon. And uh, obviously, a great show coming up in Vegas. Uh, so, what's kind of the plans for the rest of the year for Raven Tree? What is 2020 looking like for you guys? Uh, promoting the album and trying to trying to do some shows. We're trying to get we're trying to get a little more outside of our area. Fingers crossed. You know, this Vegas show right now is in the books. So hopefully, hopefully the world you know doesn't explode and yeah. get some more shows yeah. booked. And then. After that, we're never ones to just sit on what we've done, so we're probably going to get right back into to writing some new stuff. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, I, you know, so I've been, you know, we still have other material for Raven Tree that we just haven't gotten to yet. Um, like Phoenix said, we're going to continue to promote, and we've got another. We have a local show, local to D.C., um, at the end of March, and then we've got the Vegas thing. We do have... I'm not allowed to talk about it yet. We're, there's a festival event coming up at the end of July where there's some heavy hitters that we'll be opening for. But um, I don't think all the ink is quite dry on that one. So I'm, I'm kind of, I, I just can't really go into that. But um, Phoenix and I, there, we've had a, our eye on something that we wanted to try for a long time, which is like a blues rock, you know, kind of more of a classic rock, but more of a blues Americana type of thing that it won't be a Raven Tree project. It'll probably be a step to the left or a step outside of that that box. But in the meantime, we'll probably tinker with that and, and see what we can make of that in the next few months as well. And you've got producing a number of things. You've got something for Roadrunner, I think? Yeah, yeah, doing a couple of things for some labels. So that'd be pretty cool. Wow. <laughs> That's really awesome. Very happy for uh, both of you guys, you know, obviously for Raven Tree, but also your outside projects uh, as well. Uh, congrats on the producing for uh, major labels. That's really awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Of course. And you know, please check out Stream Support. Give a like to Raven Tree. As I said, links will be in the description, YouTube channel, Facebook, website, all that great stuff. Make sure to check them out and be on the lookout for the new album, Third Time's a Charm, when it is released. Mike, Phoenix, Raven Tree, thank you guys so much for hanging out with me. Thank Absolutely, you, Matt. Thank you. Of course. And I am the host, as always, Matthew Thomas. Thank you so much for watching and listening to Super Cool Radio. Stay frosty. <laughs>